0: LCS Foundation podcast. I'm Tony Galvan.
1: And I'm Rachel Sarcy.
0: In today's episode, we're joined by a few special guests uh, to discuss another of the pillars of the LCS Foundation. That pillar would be the Senior Care and Housing Professional Development Pillar. Specifically, we're focusing on the LCS Foundation's recent endowment of $100,000 to Georgetown University that will go towards their graduate program in Senior Living Administration. So with us today specifically, we have Tom Matheson, Uh, Tom's the Vice President, Director of Investments for LCS, and he also sits on the LCS Foundation's Professional Development Committee. We have Pam Saunders, who's the Associate Professor and Director of the Aging and Health Program at Georgetown University. Also with us is Andrew Carl who's adjunct faculty at Georgetown University, and also focused on the Senior Living Administration Masters in Aging and Health Program, uh, focusing on the Senior Living Concentration. Interestingly, Andy is also the Executive Director at The Virginian, which is one of our LCS communities in Fairfax, Virginia. Hoof, I'll take a breath now. How's everyone doing?
2: Great. Good, thank you. Thanks, Tony.
1: Wonderful. Well, Tom, we'll um, start with you today. Um can you just describe for our listeners a little bit about the professional development pillar here at LCS um, and what we're hoping to accomplish in that area?
2: Sure Rachel, I'd be happy to. And you know when the, when the LCS Foundation was really contemplated and when when things were really kicked off, this this professional development committee aspect and this pillar was was a big part of it and we on the professional development co- committee really consider our, our goal and our charge here to just create a groundswell you know around a careers and senior living and aging services and I think everybody on this call and everybody uh, on that all the listeners here really understand the aging demographic that's happening in the US and really what that presents uh, and and the ratios are abundant uh, that just just to name one the the ratio of Caregivers to actual seniors in 2010, that ratio was seven to one. By 2040, that ratio goes down to four to one, and and then it goes down further beyond that uh, to even even three to one by by 2050. And those are pretty dramatic shifts uh, from a from a general employment and and need perspective. So. The LCS Foundation and the Professional Development Committee specifically is really looking to create that groundswell uh, from a very broad, broad, broad stroke. And, and one of the ways we're doing that is, and one of the big ways and main ways we're doing that is partnering with universities uh, such as Georgetown. And so we're we're really, really thrilled to, to be having this conversation because we are really, really thrilled to be partnering with Georgetown. And and there are many other. Uh, universities and even high schools that, that we're looking to partner with and just, again, create that groundswell and, and, and make sure that everybody knows, uh, as many people know as possible, that there is a fun, fun industry out here that, that you can tap into that is very, very rewarding. And I think many of us uh, have have a very similar narrative. And speaking just personally, you know, there there is... I, I, uh, there are a lot of us that that had that have come into the senior living industry, maybe a little bit more by accident than on purpose, uh, and 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 have have been introduced to the senior living industry and have come to enjoy it and appreciate it and and find it to be a very very rewarding career. So I can I can certainly speak for myself and say that I have found it to be an extremely rewarding career. And and many many of the peer my peers that I talk to. Uh, and 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 other colleagues at n l c s feel the exact same way so that's really what the professional development committee is set out to do and like i said we're 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 thrilled to be here speaking with uh, with Andy and with Pam about uh, what we're about to do here with with Georgetown university
1: yeah, thank you for that tom
0: that's a great um, kind of overview of that of that pillar tom and um Rachel, I think you and I have been lucky with sort of the order of these episodes because as we've put them out, as some of these either events or, um, just sort of, um, milestones have, have just happened, um, you know, throughout the course of the year, it's lended itself to being able to bring people on the various committees that highlight, um, the different pillars. So, um, a couple of our earlier episodes, with Ed Kenny and Joel Nelson, you know, they were able to give just a high level overview of the foundation and start uh, more or less introducing the pillars of the foundation. So to be able to have these um, follow up conversations with people like you, Tom, that are um, a lot closer to the actual individual pillars has been really cool, just so that our listeners can truly understand um, these pillars, from a conceptual standpoint, but then from a really practical um, perspective as well. So, th- thanks so much again for for joining us and for um, shedding shedding some light on that. It's great, um, Andy. I, I want to turn it over to you, um, and and I kind of want to ask you again as we as we look at specifically the relationship with Georgetown, the endowment, and and as we get into the details with the educational program. Uh, can you share specifically, I know you kind of have an interesting story on how the relationship with LCS and Georgetown in particular was started. So can you um, can you tell our listeners about that?
3: Sure. It was actually kind of serendipitous. Um, I had um, originally developed the first undergraduate curricula in the country for senior living administration at George Mason University back in about 2000 or 2001. That's a university that's just in northern Virginia, 20 miles from the White House. And I directed that program for about 15 or 16 years. And then I'd kind of gone back to adjunct and gone back into the field a little bit. And I became aware of the master's program that Pam was working on at Georgetown through a mutual colleague. And so Pam and I chatted. And we thought, you know, what about the idea of having the first graduate curricula in the country for senior living administration? And, and if we could do that at Georgetown, which as you guys know, is one of the premier academic institutions in this country, wouldn't that send a bit of a message to our industry and frankly, to other academic institutions to take this more seriously because we do need these folks and it is a specialty skill set. Um, and so Pam and I, just a few months after we met and we talking about it, I happened to run into Ed Kenny at a conference who came up to me in the hallway and said, hey, Andy, we've got this foundation and these pillars, and one of these pillars is supporting development of future leaders, and do you have any thoughts on that? And I said, gosh, Ed, um, how do you feel about Georgetown? And he said, well, actually, my father went there. Um, so it all just seemed to come together very nicely, frankly. Sometimes these things just happen in a way that all makes sense. Um, but we certainly really appreciate it and still appreciate the LCS uh, Foundation's support of this, and I think we all think that it is really terrific that we could do this at Georgetown uh, and put this together and, and work so hard on it so far, and happy to talk about how we're doing to date, but but that's the background uh, of, for now. We're we're there. We've got uh, our first inaugural course uh, just finishing up this semester, and we can talk more about that if you want. That's
1: great. Uh, Andy, I know you kind of alluded to it, but um I would like to get Pam's perspective from, you know, Georgetown, Why did you guys want to go down this path? Why senior living and why lcs? what was what was appealing
4: about it to you guys? Well, thank you so much for the opportunity. Uh, it's uh, it, it's been a really exciting ride. Uh, and uh, Andy, as Andy said, we got talking about a year ago, and I started learning about what he had done at George Mason University. And, you know, as a new academic program, we were really in a, a spot where we could try new things and and experiment. And when I started out creating the curriculum, you know, I was using the, the best practice out there, uh, but also very academic perspective. So, You know, what are the core competencies that people need to learn for uh, gerontology education? Uh, But as you could imagine, if you get a master's degree at Georgetown University, you want to make sure you can get a job. And we, uh, after speaking to Andy, it uh, became very clear that senior living uh, and being in a senior living community and learning how to be a director of a community It was a huge job opportunity and something that we really wanted to be able to offer as part of our program, something practical, but also grounded in core competencies for a good, rigorous academic education. So pairing the research methods and the theory and the economics and the policy with Uh, how to run a senior living community seemed like a really perfect match. And then meeting Ed Kenny from LCS, uh, he came and visited and we all sat down in the Dean's office and I had a lovely conversation and he told us all about, you know, his dad and how his dad had been at Georgetown. And I believe his brother also went to Georgetown and he really felt like there was a strong connection, and he wanted to create an opportunity at Georgetown, something you know, with a legacy that he could offer, you know, for students going forward at Georgetown to specialize in learning about senior living, but also it's an endowed scholarship in in the name uh, of the foundation and. So I think it was a really meaningful opportunity for him. And he, he we were thinking, you know, maybe, oh, you'll give us the little money for this and that. And he was really the one that said, hey, could I could I endow a scholarship? And we said, well, well of course you can endow a scholarship. <laughs> we would be very happy about that. And uh, he it, and really it's one of the first endowed scholarships for a graduate program. Those are not so typical. Um, so already we're groundbreakers and, and, you know, pushing the envelope. So that's, that's a pretty exciting thing for us. And, you know, to be a brand new program with an endowed scholarship is uh, a pretty special place to be. And so it's, um uh, it's really just beginning to be next fall. We hope to have selected our first recipient of the scholarship, and uh, we're planning on having Ed Kenny come and, and be part of the inaugural bestowing of the scholarship on the first student. So that's gonna be a lot of fun. That will be
1: really uh, exciting, Pam. And as you were you know, kind of talking a little bit about the program, it made me kind of question, if I wanted to be a student of this program, what would that look like for me? Like what would the curriculum look like? Does it start in the fall, spring? Can you share some of that with us?
4: Oh, of course. So the program is a 1 to 2 year interdisciplinary Master of Science. We include a core curriculum which are your basics, so theories of aging, research practices, a little bit on the biology of aging and disease, class in health economics, a class in health policy of aging, uh, a class on demographics, how is the world population aging? Uh, We also teach a class which is a little unusual in the humanities and ethics of aging that's usually uh, not on the top of the list, but I thought it was so important given how we really want to be patient-centered and everything or person-centered and everything we do. Um, And then, of course, since we're a policy town, we need to, to pay attention to health policy and how that's so important in everything that we do. So the core curriculum um, also includes a capstone or a internship. It could be a very traditional go and be a, um, an intern at a senior living community, which is something that Andy is really helping us launch. Or it could be work at the National Institute on Aging or work on the D.C. Office on Aging uh, or work at AARP and, and learn about some aspect of aging or caregiving um, and then we have a seminar series that happens monthly with experts from the field, uh, trying to introduce students to the the movers and the shakers and the people with, for whom they may get a job someday, and uh, you know, really networking. Uh, we have a very uh, reasonable application process. We have two application deadlines: one in February and one in May, and uh, You just uh, submit a personal statement that talks about what you're interested in aging, either professionally or personally. And then we ask for letters of recommendation and, um, you know, a few other things that are outlined on the website. Uh, uh, So it's um, a pretty reasonable process. uh, We do a selection and then you would hear you know, early summer, and then start with us in the fall.
1: Wonderful.
4: Can you also share with us, too, Pam,
1: I know that you're probably trying to grow the program, but what's the um, student-to-teacher ratio um, in these classes?
4: Well, uh, it's we are in the beginning, so it's a pretty pretty impressive ratio, I think, uh, you yeah. know. I'm not quite one-to-one, but um, yes. Yeah. We had uh, six students our first year, and uh, we're going to have nine students the second year, which is uh, a nice increase. Yeah. Uh, Our student, yeah, it's really a a 50% increase almost. And then um, we have a a really terrific group. So in our first cohort, we had a Fulbright scholar from Singapore. She uh, was really interested in learning every bit of information she could before she went back. Um, and uh, we also are, one of our uh, other graduates is interested in being a geriatrician, so he's applying to medical school. We're going to have another graduate in December. She's actually interested in applying for graduate school in gerontology. Um, so we, the students also are a, a great intergenerational group. So we have from the 20-year-olds to the 60-year-olds all in the same classroom. And each group says to me, they say, you know, the 20-year-old said I was really nervous about the older students that they were going to judge me. And the older students said to me, took me aside and said, you know, I was really worried about the younger students that they were going to judge me. And and they all (laughs) love each other. You know, they, they are really appreciative of having the opportunity to share and to talk and to learn from each other. And There's a real mutual admiration for people's experience at all of those age groups. So we're really modeling what they're going to be studying, working, doing in in the real world. Yeah, that's great.
0: That's really interesting um, example, Pam, because it's it's kind of an analogy to what we see at the community level. I know Andy would agree, where we're promoting that uh, intergenerational approach, and and we're seeing these uh, these different generations sort of uh, work together, um, sort of commingle, and 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 kind of um, you know come together in many ways. Um, a follow up for you, Pam. You heard Tom talk earlier about. You know, sort of the the rationale and and maybe even incentive behind the foundation um, focusing so much on professional development as a pillar because of selfishly what we're seeing in the industry and and how we know something like this can be of positive impact. Um, To what degree were you conscious of that Um, as far as how you saw this impacting senior living, sort of your awareness of that kind of big picture and how you saw it and whether it was from a Staffing perspective from, um, you know, another maybe unique angle How sort of conscious of that were you and and how did that influence your decision to again kind of go down this path?
4: You know when we started up the program in 2018, we had two concentrations one in Economics and policy knowing that policy uh, is a big topic in this town and uh, that there would be lots of opportunities but also that health systems administration would be an obvious link. So learning about how health systems work and learning to, you know, be an administrator—that was our thinking from the beginning. Is that it, uh, the program should have a practical focus for students to be able to leave here and have a, you know, a successful, lucrative career. Uh, it definitely was part of our our thought process. And then when Andy and I met, it became more clearly focused uh, not so broadly on just health systems in general, but on a very specific health system, if you will, uh, on a senior living community, which is of course more than just health. And that's when, you know, we really started to open our minds and, and it really, Helped me to understand the the industry. That's when I really started learning about senior living more in a more focused way and the needs and the then the opportunities. And then of course every time I turned around, I, I I saw opportunities and people who wanted to partner and internships and you know. So it was an exciting inflection point to see. Oh, now senior living administration. This could be just as hot as Business administration. You know, we we really need to help people find train. First of all, we need to help people train. You get the proper training to do well in that career space. And my attitude has always been that you need to learn aging, and you also need to learn how to be a senior living administrator, and that will create the best product. And and ideally the best people for those jobs. And uh, you you, I, you guys are really in, in that world. And there are people who are in those jobs who don't have the training and, and don't have the most successful experience. And we really want to change that a little bit uh, and ha- give people the right training, create a, a pipeline that makes a lot of sense, given that, and Andy has told me this, statistic many times that up to 70% of the executive directors are going to be retiring the next couple of years. And this is, there's a need, there's a clear need in in good training for people to to take over in the space. To,
0: to, to that point, Pam, and, and you heard Tom kind of mentioned this earlier, um, you know, people sort of um, accidentally um, getting into the industry. And Um, To his point, that's that's the case for for a lot of us Um, Ed Kenny talks a lot about that as well. So when you think about, you know, before you get into a master's program and, and Rachel asked about, you know, how how does somebody get. You know, involved, um, taking it several steps backwards, you know, from an undergraduate perspective. And you hear Tom talk about us, um, looking, um, into addressing high schools. And so, you know, how how is Georgetown creating that career path or, or what's sort of your recommendation to others that should also consider being in this space with how how do you attract those folks and what do you do to get people to, think about, I love your analogy of, you know, business administration, that's uh, kind of a no brainer for a lot of folks. How do you foster that so that senior living administration also has that same, um, you know, connotation, if you will?
4: You know, that's the million dollar question. Uh, I work for an organization or not, I work with an organization called the Academy for Gerontology and Higher Education. They're the education arm of the Gerontological Society of America. And they actually have working groups on teaching gerontology in the high school and secondary schools. And they partner with cities and identify school systems who are interested. And I think it it is a process of, of education. But what I've seen in the last 10 years that is that people are getting it. I also work with med students. They're finally getting that their patient populations are going to be older adults, reg- almost regardless of their specialty. Uh, and I'm talking to people on the phone now who are saying, I love older adults and uh, your program is exactly what we're looking for. So I I believe that you know, getting out there, getting the word out uh, uh, and You know, being open to doing programming at younger ages. I think people have to have some kind of affinity. I don't think you want to force working with older adults on people who are not interested. Uh, but at the same time, you know, continuing to offer programming at all levels. Now, Georgetown University, we're, we're really only starting at the graduate, in the graduate space, but it doesn't mean that there isn't room for it at the undergraduate space. And we are partnering with uh, the Health Systems Administration Undergraduate Program. Uh, That's our first target spot is, hey guys, you know, learn about aging. And we've had two or three undergrads take our classes so far. And I think uh, the longer we're around, the the more people, the undergrads will know about us. So and, you know, we give lectures to the undergrad, uh, the big classes, and interface with some of the appropriate departments. So that's kind of how we've been going about it here. But um, I think it I think it's important, and I think we just need to keep brainstorming about it. Great.
1: Andy, I'm going to flip it back to you. Um, can you get into a little bit of the details or describe a little bit more about the Senior Living Administration concentration further that you're leading?
3: Sure, so what we're doing is, and as Pam um so well described, you know foundationally it's about understanding your customers right, so foundationally, it's about understanding aging and all aspects of aspects of aging and aging populations and issues of policy with aging and all the things that go with aging' They're going to make you a better executive uh but then of course in the in the concentration we we get down to the nuts and bolts, right, so we have an entire 15 week course in senior living operations and management which we're completing next week our inaugural class of 11 great students I'm having a great time in the classroom with them and by the way as Pam mentioned they they run the gamut so um, but I mean we've got everybody and we've got a, a a young woman who's a director of sales and marketing for a very nice premier community in Northern Virginia who wants to move up. We've got a young man who grew up in a CCRC. His dad's a CCRC administrator for 30 years. He literally grew up in the community. Uh, We've got another gentleman who has a law degree from Harvard. So they're a really interesting group of folks. Um, But what we do is get into the classroom and just walk through these departments. So, you know, about a third of the semester is on basically the industry and administration. So an overview of the industry. Um, their budget, employee relations, resident relations. Um, Each one of them this semester was assigned to do a research project on a top provider and presented in class. We just finished our 11th one. So um, over the course of the semester, they have taught each other about 11 of the largest providers in the industry, who they are, where they're located, how they run, um, all kinds of, uh, of information that they've taught each other. Um, We spent about a third of the semester in health services, resident care, memory care, risk management. And then we just finished our final third on hospitality services. So everything from dining to activities and life enrichment, environmental services. And last night, they got a three-hour lecture on the future of the industry. Um, So if you think about what I just described, we've just spent 15, 16 weeks giving them down in the dirt every department every function every best practice how you staff it how you budget for it what the industry's doing um and that's just the first course in the spring we have an entire 15 16 week course in senior living sales and marketing nobody's ever done that before except at George Mason at the undergraduate program there's still this will be only the second course ever at a university, wow. at senior living, sales, and market. You guys know why that's important. Um, and we're going to spend 15 weeks going through feasibility studies, competitor profile, putting together a marketing plan, a marketing budget, lead generation, lead management, Um, The whole thing. So and then and then the third part of that and the concentration that is, as Pam mentioned, the practicum or the internship where they go right into a community for another 15 weeks (laughs) And, and basically go through all these departments they just studied. Um, and we've got some case studies in there. Um, there's a case study we'll do in sales and marketing where they will be handed a community that, whose census is a disaster. Um, <laughs> I, actually wrote, I actually wrote this thing from personal experience. Um, uh, but they will go through and find out, diagnose it, find out where everything went wrong and tell me how they would fix it. So these are the kinds of things we're trying to do to get um, these folks out there. And I think, again, to reiterate at the graduate level, to get them out there faster. You know, the undergraduate program at Mason still exists, and they're great kids, but they're 20, 21 years old when they come out. Um, And as Pam touched on, we've got a lot of folks um, who are going to retire in our industry. We've got a growing industry. One of the things Ed and I talked about early on is why the graduate level. Well, because these students, on average, are in their 30s, and most of them have 8, 10, sometimes more years experience already they're just looking for a second career. So these are folks that we can get out there who can get into these executive positions faster. So I still, you know, I think the undergraduate program at Mason is still valuable, but we needed this other part. And based upon the experience I've had with the students in the classroom this semester, I I think it's going to work out really well because they're exactly, exactly the kind of people we were talking about.
0: The way you sort of described Andy, the, um, you know, sort of the weekly topics, if you will, or, or, or what you're covering, um, session in, session out. I think that really brings it to life um, for our listeners, because I imagine department heads at the community level kind of saying, yep, I do that, I do that, I do that, or even people at the corporate level, like like um, Tom Rachel and myself, saying, yep, I support that, I support that, I resource that group, so I feel like Yeah, uh, I saw
3: you all nodding your head. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. I, I feel like that serves to um, kind of to Rachel and Pam's point earlier on really making people feel like this could be something for me um, that that would be appropriate, that would apply as I think about, you know, kind of what's next for me, you know, from a career um, development standpoint. So I I really like how you listed that out. Um, and, and to that point, Andy, as I mentioned at the beginning, you know, it's interesting. Um, it's very interesting that in addition to your role at the university, you are an executive director at one of our managed life plan communities. that That's kind of interesting, cool, and awesome. So what do you think is the significance behind kind of being in both roles and sort of double dipping, if you will, in both uh, in both industries? Uh, why do you think that's important?
3: You know, it's really interesting because clearly, you know, there's the research aspect when you go to universities and, and diving in, taking deep dives in some of these topics. But then at the end of the day too, you want a job, right? And I think sometimes having a practitioner in the classroom really helps. You know, I think the, the best analogy, and I thought of this at Mason, too. My title at George Mason, by the way, was Executive in Residence. I actually, I'm actually i not a Ph.D. I have a master's degree, uh, but I'm not a Ph.D. But it was Executive in Residence, and I thought it was an appropriate title because, you know, when you get in there, it's kind of like um, when you're a student who are in medical school their instructors are doctors, right? Practitioners in the field. And when they go out and do their residencies, who's teaching them in the hospital? Doctors, practitioners. And I think at some level, it's been beneficial for the students, I think both at Mason and now here, to have that practitioner input as well. So when we're in the classroom, you know, they know that the person standing up there is a practitioner. I come there from work, um, usually pretty tired, um, but they get me energized. Um, but, you know, they know when we're in the, and when we talk about, did you read this chapter? Did you do this reading? Yes, we did. Well, let me tell you what really happens. And then we go through that and we have conversations and I give them real world, like, not just from my world, but I've been in this for 30 years. You know We all know each other. We all have colleagues in the field and stories to share, but they're coachable moments they're coachable stories to say what would you have done in this situation what do you think of this situation what's the census of this community you know is that a good census is that a bad census what does that mean to you um you know what are you talking about when we look at, at staff turnover is that a good number a bad number and of course their all-time favorite what are your raw food costs per day um so you know But when we have these conversations, they really begin to understand, my gosh, this is a real business and this is an important business. And by the way, one of the things we've done this semester is we've toured multiple communities and they've met with the administrators at those communities who have been very, very gracious about walking them around, but also talking to them and answering their questions and saying, this is what goes on in my world every day. So it's not just me that's doing it, but I think that the experience for them has been very valuable. They see the reality, and they also see what a tremendous career path this could be. You know, look, this is an industry that, as you guys know, is having a greater economic impact on this country than the auto manufacturing industry, than the airline industry, than the hotel industry. How did we not have university curricula in this? Um, um, So it's just nice that we have it and we see the interest in it for
2: these students. What I think is great in, in listening to Pam and Andy talk about what's going on at Georgetown and what's going on with this program, it really, really highlights the opportunity that's that's available in, in, in senior living. And, and when you start to go through every department within a senior living community and understand what that entails, who that touches, the interaction that you have with residents, the life-changing opportunity, and then you go beyond that and you start to think about what you what opportunities you can have in, accounting and financial reporting, in sales and marketing, in HR, in real estate investment, uh, in, in just in, in the private equity space in general, what 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 the program at Georgetown is offering is is really, really commendable because it's giving such a well-rounded perspective on aging services in general. And, and then it's diving into the senior living industry in a way that 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 programs just don't do. Right. And I think it, I think it's I think it's to be emulated. And, and this, is, this is highlighting all of that. So, you know, kudos to, to to Pam and to Andy and to the university for for doing something like this. It's 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 fantastic.
4: Absolutely. Yeah. we're We're pretty happy to be be in this good place. Um, well, I
1: have one question here for you guys, and then I think uh, Tony will kind of close it up here, but um, what do you all feel the importance is of LCS making a significant financial co- contribution to back this program?
4: Well, I can start. I think it just really shows that the industry itself is committed to creating a pipeline for the next generation of leaders. and You know, when you say put your money where your mouth is, I think that that is what Ed Kenney is doing. And that's what LCS is doing. And, you know, we couldn't be more delighted to be a recipient of that kind of vision. You know, we graduate school can be expensive and Georgetown certainly fits that bill. And, you know, to be able to. Have a group that say we need more well trained people. We believe in your education. We're going to support it in a very real way. Students need help with tuition, and this is how he's helping. Uh, so it's it's pretty fantastic.
3: Yeah, and I would add to that. I think it's again what we we've, we've been talking about. It's really about recognizing the size and scope of this industry that, you know, there it, there is no general degree. Um, you know, we need to have students who can go to an academic institution and study what we do. And as, as I think uh, Tom mentioned, you know, we've all been kind of backfilling for 30 years now, grabbing people who are good folks like me. I was a hospital CEO at one point. I didn't study this. There was no program for this. Um, but grabbing folks from other industries and pulling them in and having them f- have to fill in the gaps of what they didn't know, And if you think about it, that's no way to run a business when everyone else can go to college for this. So I think what we're doing at the base level is continuing to point out the importance of this. But as we've also said, our ability to do this with a company with the reputation of LCS and to do this in partnership with the university with the reputation of Georgetown, that sends a much larger message, much, much larger message, hopefully to the industry and to general population, frankly, and to students uh, and to other universities, you know, maybe take a look at what's going on here, because there need to be more programs like this. Not, You know, we're never going to staff our entire industry because of one undergraduate program at George Mason and one graduate program at Georgetown. You know, we need programs that, that get down into the nuts and bolts, that don't just take some old Nursing home curricula and relabel it, um, but actually have curricula for our industry and what we do. And I think it's really, really important that we're able to work together and send this message to everybody.
0: And and that's something that you'll hear Ed Kenny talk a lot about. Um, you know, when we initially talked to him in his first episode, he talked a lot about um, you know the industry challenging itself and senior living providers challenging themselves to do something. Um, you know, similar to the foundation in terms of having that type of extension. And so, Andy, what I hear you saying are, you know, um, educational institutions and universities challenging themselves also and and making sure that they have their versions of this so that you can truly uh, make that large-scale impact. So um, I think you're...
3: Yeah, and ironically, it's ironic that, I mean, and if you think about it, it makes sense, but it is kind of ironic that it's the academic institutions that we're trying to educate. Um, But if you think about it, they don't travel in the world of 80-year-olds. So it really isn't their fault that they wouldn't know that. Um, But again, I think, and I said this to Ed, I know I've said it to Pam, but, you know, if you're running a business, you want to hire an accountant. You don't hire somebody with a math degree and hope they can do your taxes. You know, you hire somebody with a degree in accounting. um, And that's what we need to do for our industry. So I think there's a lot of promise and opportunity here. But yeah, this is at the end of the day what it's all about.
0: Great, great points. Well, um, everybody, uh, on behalf of uh, on behalf of uh, Rachel Sorsky and myself, I'd like to thank our guests for today. So, Tom, um, Pam, and Andy, thank you so much for. Um, a great conversation. Um, I'm sure this won't be the last time um, that we'll ask you all to to hop on and be on an episode, and maybe give us an update down the road on how our, on how things are going. And uh, as folks uh, go through the program, and, and we have some success stories, it would it would be great to um, get back in touch with you all. So um, thank you all once again for joining us, and um, thank you to our listeners as well. Bye, everybody.
4: Bye. Thanks for having well, thank us. Thank you. Thank you very much.